Hello, and welcome to Be My Mentor, a real estate podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you with all things real estate. You see, when I first got my real estate license, I knew there was a lot to learn, and the best way I knew to learn was to ask a lot of questions. In every episode, we have conversations with professionals that are in the field every day, from home inspectors, agents, mortgage lenders, and even photographers. So whether you're a future home buyer, homeowner, or a real estate agent, you're going to walk away with something practical and actionable. I can't wait to learn with you on this journey. Brett Bogey went all in as a real estate agent when he was only 23 years old. The beautiful weather of Florida brought Brett and his wife Jody, who is also a realtor, down to Jupiter, Florida. When I first started this podcast, I knew I wanted to have Brett on the show. I knew his approach toward marketing and maintaining those all-important referral leads was something I wanted to learn. We talk about everything from how he does photography for all of his listings, his approach toward writing a really great story for all of his property descriptions, and how buying a power washer has kept his referrals flowing in. So if you're a real estate agent and are looking for non-traditional ways to put more listings under contract and get more referral business by taking care of your client way past the sale, then this episode is for you. Are you a realtor looking for a great law firm to add to your referral team? Whether it's closings, title insurance, or even those more delicate legal matters, Rodriguez Albizu Law has you covered. They proudly serve buyers and sellers throughout Palm Beach, Martin, and St. Lucie counties. They are also heavily involved in the real estate community here in South Florida through education, webinars, and so much more. So for all your real estate legal needs, give them a call, 561-660-2676, or visit www.ralawpa.com. Again, that's www.ralawpa.com, and let them know we sent you. And now, let's get into the show with Brett Bogey. All right, Brett. Hey, how for, are you? Thanks for coming on and, and, and being part of my podcast. The whole idea behind my podcast is just as a new agent, I'm trying to learn from the best in the business. And so I consider you one of the best. I need to go. <laughs> Get Jody back in here. All right. All right. Well, I, you know, I, because we met, what, it's been two years? Three years, probably. Three years now? Yeah, it was three years ago. Yeah, I think I reached out to do some sort of video project or something like that and we ended up doing the Hatfield project the Hatfield project which, which was epic and yeah. award-winning that was a finalist nationally for a best listing video so that was pretty cool within our company mm-hmm. of 32,000 agents so that, was, that turned out yeah well. well done sir thank you thank you mm-hmm. it was a fun project that was fun yeah it was super fun um I, and that's I think that's how I was first introduced to you and the way you just approach your marketing and you approach the way you do your listings and everything and I, I would like you to just well first let, let's start how did you get into real estate why, why are you here mm, that's a really deep question uh, you know it was back when I was 18 I thought you know what I'm gonna become a real estate agent that just seems like a, a noble profession little did I know and uh, from there, I got I, I went to the technical college in Madison, Wisconsin, where I'm from, for one semester only, completed real estate core law. They should make you do that at the end of a two-year associate's degree, so you stick around, right? <laughs> but it was all in the first semester. But then I got sidetracked and uh, ended up circling back to it in, when I was 23. I was like, all right, you know, I, had, I took a job, I did a thing for handful of years and then once I was vested there I cashed out my stock options my everything and I just went all into real estate all at once um, century 21 way back in the day and that was up in that was in Wisconsin, Wisconsin yeah so which was epic I loved it I mean I loved the never once did I think of myself as a salesperson but I thought that there was enough aspects to this job that I would never get bored, which turned out to be very true. So, how long were you up there practicing real estate before you came down here? 2005 to 2011, so six years up there. And what brought you down to the Florida area? Purely weather. So I met I met Jody. 
My Beautiful Bride in 2007, I'd say. And then we had two kids by the time 2010 was here that were one and two years old. And it's, you know, 20 below zero up there. So you don't want to raise kids in 20 below zero. It just takes 45 minutes to get them ready to go outside. So we're like, let's go someplace. They can run around naked. And Florida, Florida was the stop. So we came down, did our due diligence, and landed in uh, Jupiter Palm Beach Gardens area in 2011. What did that transition look like? I mean, you were... So what did your business look like back in Wisconsin? Was it pretty thriving and successful? It's interesting. So I was at Century 21 for less than two years, probably 14 months actually. And then I actually became the team leader and CEO of Keller Williams Realty's franchise in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. And then we opened up three offices there from 2007 to 2010. So we were, I mean, and that was obviously a really tough time in the market from 2007 to 2010, but we were growing, having a great time. Uh, so then I resigned from that role uh, up there as soon as Jody said, you know what, Let's. I think we could go to Florida because I, I always wanted to go to Florida. And uh, so I resigned right after we opened up our third or fourth office up there. And um, so it was probably right at the peak of our upswing there. And we just, you know, I mean, that's, that's not everything. So we just threw it aside and came down here, left it all behind and started over again from scratch. Uh, that's crazy. I mean, I feel like a lot of people would have a hard time doing that. Oh, I don't know. If happiness is the only goal, then I mean, that's really, I mean, doesn't, nothing else really matters. So you can do whatever you want in Wisconsin. We would have stayed there forever if they could change the weather. Mm-hmm. I actually like Madison, Wisconsin better than, you know, Jupiter, Florida and Florida as a whole. So if they could just turn up that thermostat to, you know, 92 degrees with a decent amount of humidity, and that would, I, we Maybe probably would have never left. Maybe in 100 more years. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> now, it's, now it's fun to visit. So. Yeah. yeah. So when you came to Jupiter, what did that look like growing your business? So. You're starting from scratch. What, what are, what are starting you Starting from scratch, but I came down here and immediately was the, the date. So we moved down on October 27th, 2010 or 11. The next day, I was the uh, broker for Keller Williams Realty in Palm Beach Gardens on PGA Boulevard. So it's different than coming into pure production down here mm-hmm. for me. For Jody, she had to get her broker's license down here so that she could practice, and she practiced, uh, she practiced probably six months after we arrived, she started. And it's just like anything else. I mean, she could she can tell this story far better than I can because I was, I was doing the management side of things mm-hmm. full steam. And uh, I just remember she did whatever it took. I mean, we weren't in a position where we could just, yeah, you know, let's see how this goes. Let's try it out. Let's, yeah. It was like, you know, we got to put food on the table. We got to hustle. So I remember she calls me one day and she's like, hey, I'm going down to 45th and I'm going to be door knocking today. I'm like, oh, super great. Sounds good. Be safe. Be safe. You know, new area. We didn't know. Any. I mean, it was just, it was absolutely crazy. And she was, I mean, she did a lot of rentals to get started uh, down here and those all blossomed into more business. So by the time I resigned as broker in 2014 and joined Jody on the sales side of it, I mean, she was already rolling pretty well. So all I had to do was step in and you know pull my own weight. It was pretty, it's pretty interesting. But it's all about relationships. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to do whatever it takes to go ahead and get you know a handful of sales underneath your belt. I think the perfect number is 40. Mm-hmm. Once you get 40 sales under your belt, whether it takes you know six months, a year, or five years. As long as you did a great job with those 40 people, they'll refer enough business for you to duplicate that over and over and over and over again moving forward. So mm-hmm. that's been the philosophy. So if you were to, well, you've already started from scratch before, but knowing what you know now, if you were to go back, knowing that 40 is that number, what would your goal be? Would you, and what would your, how would you go about getting that goal? Mm, you do whatever it takes. So I'd probably more, if I, if, I, if I had the benefit of hindsight today, I would know that if I hate cold calling, if I hate you know, door knocking, if I hate calling expireds for sale by owners, networking, all those things, that 
early on it feels like that's what you're going to have to do for the rest of time, mm-hmm. it's not. So if, if I knew that that wasn't what this job was forever, I would have more boldly jumped out of my comfort zone into those things to speed up that process uh, because there'd be an end date. But it just doesn't feel like that in the beginning. It feels like, oh, I'm doing all this stuff and it's not actually happening. Am I going to have to do this forever? Like, I don't want to be a telemarketer for the rest of my life. This mm-hmm. is not at all what I signed up for. Uh, but that's not the case. If you are service focused, then one client turns into 50 because they spread your name. So that's, uh, that, 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 I don't know. I think if there's an end date on anything, it makes, it's it, easy. Putting in. it makes it easier for you to go ahead and make the leap and leave your comfort zone. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't have to do this forever, but I have to do this for a year. Because if I don't do this for a year, then it could be five and it could be forever, you know, if I don't do it well for a year, so. Why do you think 40 is that number? What what happens? Is that just the number you need for those, yeah, the word no, mouth? There's, or? there's no science to it, but it's a good amount of people. Mm-hmm. And out of that 40, you're gonna have five raving fans. 35 will never refer you anybody, but five will build your business for the rest of time if you did a great job. So that's really what you need. Some people might not need 40. If they get, I, I mean, I'm not sure on the likable scale where I am, but Jody's much higher than I am on the likable scale. If you're one of those super connected, ultra social, people just love you and they're gonna raise you up and shout your name from the rooftops, maybe you only need five and then you're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but I, for me personally, and Jody would speak to her side of this, but for me personally, I need, I don't know, it, for me it's 40. It's probably less. Do you guys run your your career sort of separately? Or are you guys together on everything? How does that look? It depends on the month. Um, is there competition? There is competition. There's not competition. There's overlap. There's not overlap. It all depends on where we are. I'd say that you know it's I don't know. I would that's it's a it's a good question. Most often, I handle a lot of the marketing, and you know the. So a lot of a lot of the things that would create extraordinary amount of stress, like after an inspection, negotiations of those things, and and things like things like that. Just I love the I love that, and Jody likes the the, the celebratory moments. You know, like oh we're under contract. You know, so the showing the property. She's ten times better at showing property than I am, guaranteed. So. We kind of bounce back and forth. I feel like I identify with that a lot. I I just got my first listing up in Hope Sound. It's like it's a it's a duplex, and I found there's there's certain parts of everything that I just love, and then there's other parts that I'm like, I don't like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would say, you know, when I first got those one or two agents who came and looked at my house, and then they gave me feedback that was just like negative feedback Mm -hmm. and I take it so personally (laughs) right it's not even your house it is not even my house but like your your clients love their house doesn't matter what it looks like most of the time Mm -hmm. and man some of those feedbacks I got you know it hurt my feelings (laughs) it's it's tough and I and Jody is in that same in that same world where her and I both get to the same place which is extraordinary service uh, but she gets there because she feels everything that a client would feel. Like she's right there with her. So she's got that empathy at such a high level that she wants to, she experiences everything at the same emotional level that a client does. Where I get to that point of exceptional service, not through emotion whatsoever, but through just a, a brutal you know, grit and grind determination to deliver extraordinary service because I'd like to be the best, you know? Mm -hmm. She delivers the best service, sometimes better than me because she doesn't want them to feel any, you know, anything horrible and I get there through a totally different way. But you got, I mean, you get there and that that makes us, that'll balance you out as far as strengths and weaknesses there too. But it's tough. I mean, Jody always says, how are you going to deliver the bad news? And I'm like, as quick as possible, just rip it off, rip off the bandaid. It's like, well, are you gonna tell them that you know so and so said their house is you know dirty or trashed or you know whatever the case may be? Or I'm like, yeah. I mean, it's kind of it's funny. I mean, it's tough to deliver that that criticism that we get. But I think that in uh, the last CE class I just took, somebody got sued in 
a realtor got sued over on the West Coast for not informing their client that they overpriced their listing. I mean, we have a duty to go ahead and let people know exactly what's going on. So truth above all else is, is kind of a, a good philosophy there. Whether it hurts or not, you need to detach from the emotion entirely. So, so they got sued because they listed their property for too much? Mm-hmm. And did not inform them that they may be overpriced. It was in my CE course. It was over on the Gulf Coast of Florida. Huh. Never thought that was possible. Apparently it's a thing. Wow. Yeah, I know. So now it's like, well, let me tell you a story about how your house needs to look. (laughs) And let me tell you a story about pricing. This is where you need to be. If we're ever off, I'm going to tell you within like 35 seconds. Yeah. And having those stories obviously helps because it's not really on you to tell them the bad news. Right. Or it's on you to tell them the bad news, but it's not your fault that their house. Right. And from a a service standpoint, I always find that tough conversations are so much easier to have when you've set the stage for tough conversations right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, people are going to look at your house. Some of them are going to love it. Some of them are going to hate it. And I'm going to tell you both, you know, and then just be like, do you want that filtered or do you want it not filtered? And everybody at that moment wants, you know, they're going to say, I want it non-filtered. I'm like, all right, well, just remember that when the moment comes and I'm like, hey, so... You know, they, they looked at your house and they said, it smells like cats or whatever the case may be. You've got to do something about that, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's much easier to have that conversation when the foundation is laid, like, it's going to come up. Yeah, that's something I've learned. When you set the expectations the way they should be, it goes a lot easier, you know, to tell them anyone any bad news for any situation, really. Right. So let's talk about marketing. Mm-hmm especially when it comes to marketing your listing. What is your approach or your philosophy toward marketing a listing? Oh, no shortcuts, no sacrifice, and demand excellence. I mean, there's, so I've got this, I've got this weird thing I gotta tell you right out of the gate. So I have everything written down and documented. So I have a 33 week marketing plan because in membership equity country clubs, you know, a lot of those are high day on market, uh, areas so you have to have a marketing plan that goes the distance and this marketing plan is detailed and dialed in every step of the way it tells me exactly what to do and every now and then some of it's like well is that really going to do anything for this property and the minute that I go ahead and take that off the list or remove something or take a shortcut or skip a piece of the process I will get penalized somehow by the universe for doing so So it doesn't matter what the property is, everything is top notch, everything is delivered. We go under contract or we have a contract prior to going on market, I'm still doing the voiceover, the video, the photos, the brochure, through the inspection process, because if I don't, it's gonna fall apart during the inspection process. (laughs) So it's really a a no, no shortcuts approach. And the best thing to do is just look at, I mean, if you go into any listing, I don't care if you've sold 10 houses in the exact same neighborhood and two of the same model. If you go into it with an open mind that I don't have all the answers today and my experience tells me this is what we need to start with, then then you'll always have something to do. Like you pay attention, look at the numbers, look what the data is telling you, look what the detail views are telling you and make changes as you go. Like one of the one of the hardest things we had to learn was you can't if a home is at the is if a home is adjacent to the gate of a gated community, it's one of the hardest sales you'll ever have, guaranteed. So gates right here, houses right here. Eh, for me, that doesn't seem like that big of a deal. No big deal. For the for the majority of the world, we can tell you that's a huge deal, you know. And then you start mm-hmm. to understand. I mean, so little things like that. I mean, you just know over time, but you make adjustments for. Now going in, we can say, you know, manage expectations. Well, you're right next to the gate. For me, that's not a problem. For you, it's not a problem because you bought the home, right? But for a lot of people, it is. So just know that we have these things that we can do to help manage that issue, but it's going to come up, yada, yada, yada. That's really interesting. Um, Can you share a little bit of that 33-step plan? Not all of them, obviously. We don't have time for all 33, but what in big chunks does your does that look like for your for your listing for your clients uh so i mean i'll just start out so the first two weeks are the busiest two weeks because you're in the creative creation there and you're doing all those those aspects of it but right out of the gate 
We meet, we're at the listing, we're at the, we're having the discussion about listing your property. You say yes, I say yes, looks like a win, we sign the agreement. That night, we're already, we're already marketing the property, so we're gonna send it out to the network, we're gonna send out teasers, we're gonna do everything that we can to go ahead and get this going. And with the MLS now rolling out their coming soon status, uh, piece of the puzzle, not a fan of it, but we've adapted enough where we can still effectively market um, ahead of going active and showing the property. Everything is designed to build excitement. Uh, and then you've got some opportunities to go ahead and uh, really captivate an audience. I think today with digital twilights and things like that. I mean, I'm not a cell phone photo guy, but before you're actually, before you have your professional photo shoot, mm -hmm. you know very well that I will go and I'll put two pictures out there to the world, both of mm -hmm. them are exteriors. Both of them I send to our third party uh, you know, photo editing service to get them turned into digital twilights and that's what I use for the teasers. And we'll just go ahead and keep feeding that out. So from there, you move into uh, the, actual, the actual photo shoot, which you obviously know in this world as well that, right. I, that I, don't, I don't compromise there at all. And I'm very difficult in that world and I spend so much time on it. Like every image is touched. So you, know, you do the pictures, you do a professional job, everything's perfect, but there's things that still can be done after the fact to perfect an image. If you think of, I don't know if it's still around, but Circuit City back in the day. Yeah, I think they went out of business. Yeah, I remember it, it though. So yeah, yeah. any of those places, I mean, not, not so much Best Buy because they actually have things plugged in, but Circuit City had all that furniture laid out with cardboard box TVs on it to stage it. And it looks so clean and so neat because there's no cords. Mm -hmm. So after I get an image, one of the first things that I'll do is I'll take out lamp cords, I'll take out vehicles, I'll take out vehicles in the driveway. You know, that big ball of cords that are hanging out from behind a computer, that all has to get removed. I mean, it makes the image look magazine quality. And if you can make every image or at least five images of your 35 or 40 pictures look magazine quality, you're in good shape. It takes a lot of time. I spend at least three hours on every listing just doing the post-production, taking those things like that out. Before going to the MLS, how much, what does your time frame look like before going to the MLS? Like, and do you always build in that time? Yep. So no matter what listing you get, you're not putting it on that weekend. You're always waiting two yep. weeks or what? 10 is days, that? I mean, 10 days is sufficient. So day one, we'd start pre-MLS marketing or coming soon marketing, I guess we'd have to call it now. Um, and then it's a very strict schedule. So we have all of our contractors lined up in a way that if anybody misses a day, it throws off the entire process. But you'd have a photo shoot. If you wanna go live this week, the last date you can have a photo shoot is Monday. You have a 24, turnaround, 24 hour turnaround time on photos. Tuesday, you're gonna get the photos back. Now I can do on Tuesday my ad copy, all my post-processing of the photos, touch the color, whatever I need to do, send them out for digital staging or item removal if I need to. And then Wednesday's the live date. Wednesday is the live date, so all of your, um, all the pictures are back, final ad copy's done, and ad copy, I mean, I write stories. Mm -hmm. You know, I think one of the biggest, the, the biggest flaws in, or missed opportunities in real estate is that people write two sentences about a property because statistics say that buyers spend only eight seconds reading ad copy and you know five minutes looking at pictures. Well, they only spend eight seconds reading ad copy because that's all you gave them. I mean, that's it. So if people, I mean, we have so many people that come to the open houses and the showings that are like, thank you so much for writing the novel about the home we feel like we already know it so i spend i mean i throw in earbuds classical music and i just type and i'll type until i'm exhausted so i mean it turns out to be about i don't know six thousand characters per listing MLS. and does the mls let you have that many or? in the addendum so okay so in the addendum you can put the full six thousand characters in the actual um, public remarks that would display mm -hmm. on your brochures that you would print from the mls 800 character limit. So that description has to get written 6,000 characters, then cut to 800. And we tell our clients, we let the clients read the long one and say, is there anything that we're missing, any benefits, anything like that, we can add it here. But clients, no input on the short one. 
Mm-hmm. because I have to pick the things that are going to actually sell the house to showcase in just 800 characters. Okay. Um, so that happens Thursday. We have till um, Thursday at 4 o'clock to order brochures. Brochures are shipped 24 hours, so Thursday at 4 o'clock. They are delivered overnight mail the next day, Friday at 11, and then showings happen Sunday between 1 and 3 on almost every listing, every time. That's the same process that we use. So. It could be three weeks leading up to that week. It could be a few days leading up to that week. But we need that full week to go ahead and prep You need all that creative. Monday to Thursday. Correct. And there's 35 more steps in that first week. But that's a pretty good overview of the timeline and release. So it all, it all builds momentum towards mm-hmm. the one day. Because clients don't want 65 showings spread out over two weeks or 15 showings. They want to leave their house once. They want to go to the beach, take the dogs, have a blast, come back and have an offer sitting on their table. So that, that would be the goal. And you're holding off any showings until that time, right? And coming soon listing. So the benefit here is that if we have a coming soon listing and then shift it to active on Wednesday, the whole point of that is that it gives it time to syndicate to realtor.com and Zillow by Sunday when we actually have it. So everybody, the majority of people should have seen the listing by the time we're actually ready to show. Um, but yeah, everything's held. No showings until that Sunday. A lot of times it's, you know, our, our clients direct us like, hey, we don't want to do this. I mean, if you think about it, if you just think about the last time you sold a house, then, and people are always trying to get top dollar, it's got to look perfect. In order for that house to look perfect, if you actually live there, it's impossible to show the house three different times in a day at 9 a.m., 1.15, and 4 o'clock. So give me two hours where that house looks like a model and I can, sh- I can funnel everybody through in that window and it works. So mm-hmm. it's easier for everybody. How much of a difference in w- w- when you take your marketing material, like your photos and you perfect it, you take the cars out, you hide the cords? Two questions, how big of a difference does it make for the people looking through it? And how, it, well, let's start with that first. Like, does it make a big difference when you take those cars out, when you make those little changes in terms of people being attracted more to the property? Maybe. I don't know what, I, I don't know ultimately what does it. I can tell you that the, the biggest difference maker there is that, I mean, so we show our work with our clients every Monday. So it's like, hey, here's the original image. Mm-hmm. Here's the final image, and this is everything that happened between the moment it was snapped and here we are today. So they know the amount of effort that we put into it, which is great for our business because they under- understand that we are, you know, quality practitioners and we actually care. Uh, does it make a difference? I mean, there's no way to know unless I had a unless I had a focus group with an A B right. study like. What do you and prefer? I've often wondered... Cars in the driveway or no cars in the driveway? <laughs> but I mean, I hate it. I absolutely I mean, hate, no real estate picture should have cars in the driveway. No, no, I mean, and as a photographer, one of the first things I do when I arrive at someone's house is if there's cars in the driveway, I'm saying we need to move those cars. Right, then at condos, you gotta, you have to digitally yeah. take them out afterwards because they're not your cars or your client's cars. And that, that that's difficult, especially when, you know, when I arrive to a home and there's a car in the driveway plus the garage is open. Right. And that's that's the worst. I mean, you have a townhome or a condo and they're right next to each other. Yep. It's trash day, whatever. Right, <laughs> exactly. That's so that's uh, that sea colony. I think you busted me on my sea colony because I shared, I shared <laughs> one of the images that had everything that we changed on the outside of it, but we digitally closed. So there's nine units in a building, mm-hmm. nine garage faces. We digitally closed four of the garage doors and then we removed every single car from the driveway mm-hmm. there. And then everything, all the cars from from A1A, I mean, everything is just gets removed. So just, here's the house, this is the star, no distractions. That's the goal. Right, no distractions. And I think, because you want them to see, you want them to imagine themselves. And I, that's where I see the value of removing cords, doing virtual staging, all of that. Because people don't want to live... You know, there's a house for sale right now in, in the community that I live in, Chasewood North. Mm-hmm. It's a nice unit because, I, like, I live in the same exact floor plan that they do. But because it's one of those things where the pictures look good enough to where you think it's a really nice unit, but you know when you step in the house, it's not going to be perfect. Right. It's not going to be great. But if they would have taken the time to get rid of some furniture, 
you know, do those kind of things, which you can't always do because people are living in it. And that's right. where I think that removing those those items and replacing it with nice furniture, you know, that's that's a really valuable thing. My next question would be, how do you manage or do you manage the expectations of the people who come in? They're like, oh, this looks different. Or, or do they kind of expect that when they when they see the house in person? So it depends on the house, but some of them require, if, if I'm just messing with furniture, then it's not doesn't go with the house anyway. Mm-hmm. So if they have furniture that I disapprove of or does not look like an artistry model or a Sonoma Isles model, you know, mm-hmm. one of those, then we tell them up front, it's just like, don't be offended if I digitally remove any of your furniture and replace it with something, you know, else. Mm-hmm. So, and, they, and I mean, they're, everybody's fine with it. And then when the clients get there, I mean, it's just like, they're like, well, hey, this looks different than the photos. It's like, well, we put, and we put disclaimers on everything. Okay. So we typically, especially if we change something material, mm-hmm. like a wall color. So if we've got, you know, flamboyant red, right, when you walk into a house on one main wall, I can make that, you know, Pottery Barn neutral. But on the, on the picture, we'll put the original in the bottom right corner of that picture as an overlay that says this is oh, what actually smart. exists. And this is how we change the image. And we'll have those images available at the house mm-hmm. because it's tough for buyers to see through this. It's not just a service for the seller or marketing the property. It's a service for the buyer because what if it was their dream home mm-hmm. other than X, Y, or Z? This helps them see past it. So that, that makes sense. I know when we were looking for homes, our first home, the littlest thing could throw you off. And the easiest thing is to change like the paint color or... Mm-hmm maybe if uh, a room that was over overly furnished or crowded or just didn't have the right furniture right it was it's interesting because i mean in today's market maybe that's not as prevalent because there's so little choice that you it's easier to look past those items maybe yeah that's true but um yeah i i see the value in that the the last listing i had thanks to you but most likely because I, I took advantage of some of those those tools where I go in and I take out, you know, because it was a home where, and I, th- in this in this case, I left the original and then when they went to the next image, it was clear. So sort of like a before and after so they could That's imagine. Perfect. Yeah, so I did that with, I think, two or three rooms, mm-hmm. something like that. I did it with a, the, the other side. Since it's a duplex, I did it with the rental side. Right. And so that's really great because... You know, with the owner side, they could clean up, they could move things. Tenant has no interest. But for the in doing tenant, that. you know, even though they were, a, you know, a nice, clean, whatever, you right. know, like it, it was much more difficult, you know. And one thing that I I thought about even doing, you know, they had big flags and blankets hiding the windows. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't brave enough to put windows in there because I wouldn't have known what to put in that's there. A, that's a material thing. That's it. You but, can't go down that Well, road. no, the yeah. windows were there. It's just they had put big, like, blankets. And they weren't really right. curtains. They were just blankets that blocked because they just liked it dark in there. Right. You know? And so that's that's not something I didn't quite do. But people understand that's a rental. You, yeah. you can't do a and whole it, lot with it. I don't think there's a tenant-occupied unit we've ever not digitally staged. So yeah, you almost you, have to. We, we strip the whole thing back to a box, and then we rebuild it exactly how we want it. So the one thing I did do was in the kitchen, you know, they had a bunch of dishes. They had, you know, it, it was clean, but it just, you know, you don't want everyone to see all the dishes and everything on the countertop. So I did have all of that digitally removed. Right. So now you have a nice, clean kitchen, which is arguably one of the best features of any home is the kitchen and the bathrooms. Yep. So that's... That's a really useful tool I know I've learned from you just by looking at, and I don't think a lot of agents do that. There's a lot, a lot of people stage vacants. Very few will mm-hmm. strip a home that's furnished and then replace it with different furniture. So it's, right. I mean, it's it's cost effective to do so, and it makes perfect sense. I mean, it, it, if you think about it, we have the ability as real estate agents in a very economical way to go ahead and build models you know, and sell them digitally with disclaimers. I mean, it's perfect. So just can't change stuff that a seller would be bound to deliver. Mm-hmm. If I if I go sure. ahead and they, if I change the paint color in a room and I don't disclose it, then they're like, well, online, I drove from Miami sure. and the paint was, you know, Pottery Barn neutral and now I've got black walls. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the story with that? 
that's a situation where you can get into a little bit of trouble, I think, because I mean, either you have to be willing to go ahead and turn those walls, pottery bond neutral, out of your pocket, or you already should have had the conversation with your seller. Like, if somebody actually wants this, you're going to have to deliver, or it becomes part of the negotiation there. So, Right, right. Um, what do you think... Has your approach to marketing changed at all when it comes to everything that has happened with COVID and the way that people interact with houses now? Yeah, I mean, to a certain degree, it, it did for a short period of time. I think early on, everybody was like, oh, what do we do? You know, and we looked at Matterport and we looked at, I mean, so one thing that you did see change for us was we usually don't do video until we cross a 3,000 square foot you know, interior video, mm -hmm. anything less than 3,000 square feet, it doesn't make sense mm -hmm. because you can't control the lighting, you know, it's boxy, it looks small, smaller than it actually is okay. through video. So we've never done video on anything less than 3,000 feet. However, once COVID became a, a real deal, everything we did, we did video on. So we had a 1,300 square foot, you know, um, townhome video. Full video, we're doing it. And it's tough to do that and still make it look really good. And I, I think video for us has always been a, it's kind of a second tier marketing tool because I can create magazine quality images, but I do not have anywhere near the capability to edit video. So it's always, no. So you use, yeah, I don't have a Marvel studio to go mm -hmm. ahead and, and create, you know, create like that. So. What we do is we still, through COVID, we marketed everything with, um, with still images and then gave people the opportunity once they showed interest to go ahead and look at the video and get an idea of floor plan before they would schedule a showing. Mm -hmm. And we did that on every listing that we took, probably from March until just the last listing we took. We haven't done any more um, video because people seem to be very okay showing property you know, we had 16 showings on one house in a, in a day so you know it's wow. it's one of those things where people are people are coming out it's, yeah that's good i have i think i have five showings today on the property up in hope sound so people are yeah people are willing to to get out there still even if they're mm -hmm. you know trying to be careful uh i have not done it over in my photography company, I've not done any Matterport. I've done some Zillow 3D tours, which are a little bit different, but the same concept. How how often do you use those, and what do you think their effectiveness is? Matterport? Mm -hmm. Never used it once. Never used it once, okay. Nope. So, um, why? Time consuming. If I'm doing Matterport, why don't I just do a video? Okay. I don't know. It's one of those things where I'm not really, I'm not sold. I have less control over the images, so if I'm selling a set of still images, Matterport is a inclusive system for sure. It's harder to take those images because usually they're uploaded directly to the cloud, their proprietary cloud. Right. Um, you're right. So and then and then how do I how do I digitally stage Matterport? Is that a is that a possibility? You can. You can. Cost effective? I would say a little bit more than a normal image. Right. So, but what maybe ten or fifteen bucks more. So in that world, it's just not a... It's not worth it. Not, no. Not I don't if you're doing I don't, a video. And I don't think the image quality is nearly as great as still images still. Mm -hmm. So it's not like a Matterport. A Matterport tour provides a unique aspect to walk around. But if I can provide the a guided tour through video... Mm -hmm. And I they are time-consuming, I've heard. Because I know that I've not done Matterport. I've done, I've done Zillow 3D tours where I pretty much just plant a camera one or two per room. Mm -hmm. I don't do, and I know Matterport, they go like every 10 or 15 feet sometimes. Yes, yeah, it, it's it's not cost effective, ultimately. And it's, to me, I still, every day, prefer still images, one magazine quality image at a time to mm -hmm. any other type of marketing. So, and I can take the same image and I can make it look 12 different ways, more cost effectively than I can do a Matterport tour, so. Mm -hmm. I've. I've learned you, you were talking about video and sort of that your threshold of twenty five or three thousand square feet, mm -hmm. and I found that I f I usually shoot homes differently on the photography side than I like with smaller homes versus bigger homes. Mm -hmm. Bigger homes, I'm taking a more creative approach because usually they're a little bit nicer, a little bit more high end. I'm doing mm -hmm. maybe 
you know, slide reveals and stuff like that. But right. with a smaller condo, I think you're better off just doing a simple, almost just like one corner to the other right. to show the space that's there. It's more utility than it is their dream. Yeah, there's no there's place. no art. I mean, and if you think about what COVID, with COVID and marketing and video had to, had to do, that was the goal. Mm-hmm. It was to give people a true idea of layout, nothing more, without actually having to physically go to the property. So mm-hmm. that was the only use of And I feel like people appreciate, some people like that better, I think, than the creative walkthroughs. Agreed. Some people do, because creative walk. I mean, we still are pretty creative with our creative walkthroughs. So, right. Yeah, right. I get that. That's cool. That's cool. All right, marketing. Anything else you want to say about marketing? Mm, just no shortcuts. Do a great job. I mean, if you look at our marketing, and then just have, a, have an attitude of improvement. I mean, if you went back and looked at one of our very first listings in 2012 or 13 and compared it to what we do today, it's not just a function of technology got better, it's a function of our expectations got higher. So everything that we do, regardless of how beautiful it looks or what we accomplished with it, it's like, well, how can we make that a little bit better? To the point where sometimes we sacrifice profit in order to do something super cool. So, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, and I think if you do that, it's tough to go back. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we did this, we did this, we did this. It's like, oh, well, I can, we'll just do the, what we did on the last listing with this one. It's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's not gonna, I mean, it's almost embarrassing if I go back and look at some of our 2012 and 2013 marketing pieces. Like, oh, wow. But they were probably better than 90% of any other agents. I don't know. I look at them now and I'm like, I really, I remember running to get Jody and being like, look how great this looks in 2013. Like, look at that image. And now I look at it, I'm like, what it, what, who would actually think that's a house? Like a real house? Like, you know, I'm using a, an airbrush to go ahead and paint blue skies and over clouds and all this other stuff. I mean, it just... Yeah, like a blooming cloud oh, colors. Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> I mean, I'm just looking at it and then I've got the, I've got the, the images, the vibrance on the images totally juiced to the point it doesn't even look like anything on this earth. Uh-huh. Um, and I thought that looked really cool I back think that then. was trendy for a while. In some, in some ways it still is for some people. Every once in a while I'll come across a photo where I'm like, oh, that's just a little too much over the top. Yeah. You know, probably some of my own. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, for us now we've got it. I mean, we so once we get an image back, I have actually am able to save the settings. So just one click now makes it so that I never put get- put a preset. Yeah, so I never get too crazy. Cause if I'm left up to my own, if I get to manipulate that slide bar, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe a little bit more, but no, 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 don't do it. Just hit the preset. In this, during COVID with low inventory, a lot of buyers, why do you still see the value in marketing as much as you do a home? That's a a great question. So uh, it's a great question that I could be debated against on on a very large stage. And I think it would be a, it's a tough argument to win because what we preach from a marketing standpoint or what we deliver from a marketing standpoint we tell everybody else, like, you should probably do the same thing. And they're like, but why? I sold the house in a day and I took five cell phone photos, wrote one sentence, and I'm done. I'm like, great for profitability, but if the market ever turns or becomes hard, I mean, so this is the thing. It's like, the reason why it makes sense to never make any shortcuts and do the absolute best job that you're capable of is because every time you put a listing out there, you are putting yourself out there. Mm -hmm. Your marketing is a reflection of who you are as a real estate professional. So we have people who are like, hey, I took my own pictures, so you don't even have to bother. I'm like, yeah, well, I can't take your listing using your pictures. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, why not? I'm like, like, why don't you just take, you know, take like $1,000 off your commission and use, use my pictures. I'm like, I won't do it. Like, I won't do it. I'd rather... I'd rather take $1,000 off my commission and still do mm-hmm. great photography than go ahead and put out anything that's not to my level of you know expectation. So anyway, that's it. Market turns, it is going to become so much more valuable for all the things that we've done here. In, in Florida, you have such a great benefit too because everything is a phenomenal market in the general market. 
but we have country clubs, membership equity country clubs, and so many of those, especially around in this area here, Boca, I mean, all over the place, to the North Palm City, they have four, five, six, seven, eight hundred days on market in these communities. So you get to experience in real time an extraordinary seller's market outside of those walls and a brutal buyer's market inside those walls. So a lot of the stuff that we do inside the walls of a country club, we're like, wow, this is actually really effective marketing. It looks great, super high standard. We have to stand out. We have to continually move. Even in this market. To stay fresh in this market today. You can go find a buyer's market in two hours today just by looking on the MLS and running some basic stats. Focus on membership equity. They are all hammered. And then um, from there, you know, we just kind of roll that same marketing out to the rest of the world because once you have it down to a system, it's pretty easy to go ahead and provide that same level of service on a $200,000 listing and a $2 million listing. So I've often thought that doing video and doing photos is way more about, and it's it seems almost like, it's it's almost like you're not, so like a lot of photographers will, and even realtors and marketing people will preach like, oh, great photography sells listings and stuff like that. But I've often thought it's like, it's not just about selling your listing. It's about getting the next one. That's in my mind, that's what I've always thought. Because when I go to that listing appointment, I show my great work, my photographer, they look mm -hmm. online, they look you up because they probably will right. Google your name. What are you showing versus the other guy? And it's a weird thing because even though it may not directly sell the home, it gets you the next listing mm -hmm. and it, it, it's that perception. But one thing that I, I just heard this story from a friend of mine who was looking for a home. He was looking for something up in Palm City, um, Hope Sound, no, not really Hope Sound, more like Stewart in Palm, Palm City, right? Mm -hmm. Palm City. He's looking for something around 400,000 with a pool in an HOA, kind of a low HOA neighborhood. Really difficult to find. Every time you put an offer in, it was just gone. So he's kind of doing the work for his realtor because <laughs> he's always looking, he's always online, always looking for right. something all the time. And this one home crops up, has really crappy photos, but he knows the neighborhood and he knows the neighborhood is really nice. Mm -hmm. So he gets his realtor on the phone and he's like, I want to see this and I want to see it tonight. And he literally worked the whole deal by himself because he's like, he's in sales. Right. <laughs> so he does sales. So he, he literally kicked the realtors out and he's like, like I'm going to talk to the owners and they negotiate. That's things. funny. But what was funny about it is because he knew the market so well, and he joked about he should become a realtor after his, his one thing. Because he knew the market so well, he knew that neighborhood so well, he knew even though the photos weren't good, he knew it, he knew it was a good home. Right. And he said that realtor who sold it like she told me later, it's like we probably could have got a lot more. It's like, yeah, you probably could have. But he probably got it thirty to forty thousand under market. It's perfect. Just because one, the realtor didn't know what they were doing, but they didn't get good photos to show the value of it. They Absolutely. probably could have had multiple offers that would have went above asking price for it. But he went in there and he got it and just Definitely. So that's a really good argument for you gotta have good photos. Absolutely. You gotta have good marketing because if someone's smart enough, they're going to get in and they're going to grab it before you know what you have. Right. Yeah. And the other piece too is like Jody and I always joke about, you know, because everybody calls us and they want to, they want foreclosures and, you know, short sales, distressed properties for investments. I'm like, you want to find a distressed property? Just let's go ahead and scroll the MLS for anything over 90 days on market with horrible pictures. That's your opportunity mm -hmm. because they're, they're wondering why their home is broken, right? In that world, they're just like, oh my goodness. Well, everybody else, I see home selling in a day, but my home, my home is still sitting here, and they might not know. I mean, that the that the that the pictures are a problem, but so many people disqualify a home based on pictures alone. And it's like, nope, nope. And unless you know, like, hey, it's a Devosta built community. I know that this is in Oakmont. I know what it looks like inside. I know what it was built with. You know, just picture it without the stuff. Just look at it, just like the model three doors down. That's perfectly photographed. Go buy that. That's your opportunity. So that's right that's on the amazing. mark. Let's shift gears a little bit. I want yep. to talk about uh, customer experience and how you approach your customers, how you treat your clients, past, present, and future. What What is your approach toward that? 
Uh, if you think about it, so we don't, 100% of our business is referral and repeat. So all the energy. Has it always been that way? After 40 transactions. Okay. So, I mean, it's, I, I would say yes. So um, every now and then somebody will stumble into us through internet leads, things like that. But we put 100% of our attention on the clients that we're working with at any given time. I mean, they get all of our energy. So the three hours that my competitor is spending calling, cold calling for sale by owners and expireds and ignoring his past clients or her past clients, we're spending time connecting with people, helping them out, doing whatever we can and delivering world-class service, you know, doing the things that, that we do through the process. So, I mean, it, it, they are, our clients are everything to us. I mean, without, without them selling us or sharing our name with someone, then, then we have to go ahead and dial for dollars. And if we dial for dollars, you can't do that and still deliver the same level of service that we provide. So it's a balancing. I mean, it all has to work out perfect in order for, this to, in order for us to put the energy into our, our clients and our marketing that we do. Uh, but we have, so because of that, our goal, I'm not super social. I'm not going to happy hours. I'm not going to every kid's birthday party. I'm not doing those things. Jody is that way. So she can speak to, you know, all the pop. I mean, she's delivering chocolates on Valentine's Day. She's doing this. And anybody that didn't get a chocolate on Valentine's Day that watches this podcast is going to be, oh, I didn't get my chocolates. Where were my chocolates? <laughs> uh, so for me, it's one of those things where I had to, we had to come up with a plan to go ahead and for me to connect with people after the closing uh, because I, I mean I, I really enjoy real estate it's one of the only things I can talk about though for a long period of time so outside of a real estate transaction I just sit silently in a room like you know and that's all I got someone that's mentions it. real estate and yeah like, oh, ears oh all right yeah. so what were we talking about yeah let's talk about month supply of inventory also known as absorption rate you know and go into that whole thing but you know, so it, we came up with, uh, I actually so it ripped off a program from uh, an agent in Texas who just dominated, dominated the market, uh, even through the, even through like 2009, 2010. And I, I kept looking at the, the top 10 in the country in our, in my previous company and they were always up there. And I was like, how come they're never on stage ever? And then one day I'm walking through a convention and I see this tiny little breakout room and the guy finally is up there like telling his secrets. And I'm like, I'm going in. So I walked in and I hear him. He's like, so this is what we do. We send a survey out to our clients and we say, what would you like to have? We're going to go buy it. And they do it once a quarter and they just say, you know, pick your top three. So they check boxes and he's like, so I own six margarita machines because my clients want margarita machines. They come and borrow a margarita machine. I had one, but then four people wanted it on the same day. So then I bought four and then we had six people that wanted it. So now I have six margarita machines. So he's just, and he just kind of just, he was just like a regular guy. And I'm like, huh, and he, and he grossed $4.8 million in commission income. I'm not talking sales volume. I'm talking commission income and I'm like, that makes sense because people want actual value, not gimmicks, not, uh, you know? So he delivered world-class service and figured out a non-gimmicky way to provide value into their lives after closing by having this loyalty program with rewards. So we, I, I called Jody, I'm like, we're doing this. We're gonna have this thing, we're gonna call it Client Perks and we're gonna go ahead and roll it out to all of our people. So we did, and the first thing we bought was a pressure washer. So we've had people come from country clubs, people that flip foreclosures, all over clients that just keep using this pressure washer. I think if the, if the pressure washer had miles, it'd probably have about 350,000 miles on it by this point. And we have other things too, like just this past December, we have a 2020 Dodge Ram pickup truck our, our clients can use. Why do we have it? Because they asked for it. So would you rather have a pickup truck or a moving truck? Again, we're focused on the past clients, not the future clients. Mm -hmm. So past clients don't need a moving truck. Mm -hmm. We thought they would. They were like, oh, they're gonna have, we should have moving trucks. Everybody has a moving truck in real estate. No, they want a pickup truck so that they can run to Home Depot, 
load everything in there and still have their Corvette or whatever the case may be parked in their driveway. They only need a pickup truck when they need a pickup truck. We keep it, we keep it with us. So, and they come use it whenever they want. So things like that make a whole lot of sense. And for me, it's that interaction after closing, the exchange, you know, somebody comes and takes the outdoor, so we have a whole outdoor movie theater. Somebody come and, comes and takes that, and we, that's, my, that's my moment of interaction, being like, all right, here's the thing, oh yeah, how's the family, da, da, da. so it keeps that connection for me going over time, because I'm not going And it's to only a five minute connection. <laughs> five, five to 15 minutes, yeah. So, and, it's, so I, and, and I really like it, and honestly, that's all it takes. Uh -huh. I mean, some people completely vanish after a real estate transaction. Right. They never have an interaction again. Five to 10 minutes is huge. Are you continually reminding your clients that this is, you know, are you sending email blasts, that kind of thing, letting them know about the perks every couple of years or just? You know, so it's an interesting thing. So we had some basic perks in the beginning and then I wanted to up the level of insanity with our perks. So we kind of discontinued the program for probably eight months while we reworked it because some of the things that I wanted to add created a significant amount of liability. Mm. So we sent it, uh, we had some legal documents drafted up that says, hey, when you use the chainsaw and you just, you know, be safe and, you know, follow the instructions, don't chop an arm off. Because if you do, I mean, this little liability waiver says that you can't sue us. So. You know, now that we have that, we're gonna we definitely start pushing it more. We made video, a promo video for it and things like that. So, I saw some of the promo videos come out recently. I thought they they're were super, super, super cheesy, cool. super cheesy and fun, which is you know that's the goal. So, <laughs> but it works for you guys. So that's your your loyalty program is your primary way that you're just connecting with past clients. Are you guys doing? I've heard of some people they do events or they do ice cream yeah, socials had, or whatever we've had great intentions of doing events but we've never i don't know if we've ever uh, we've, we've probably done some events but we we have done a couple events around the holidays but mm -hmm. it's not it's not it's a lot of work to pull off the events so yeah i saw and, one realtor you can't do everything i saw one realtor in rialto do one of these like ice cream drive-bys yeah so we bought everyone ice cream and everyone just because of covid they're just in their cars, you know, yep. driving by and picking up, you know, and everyone sees his face. Yeah, of course, I think, all, I think all realtors live in Rialto right now. There's <laughs> a lot. I like I know like three or four. There's a lot. Yeah, there's there should be a, a realtor agent owner disclosure just for the community. Like you buy a house <laughs> in here, they have a real estate license. Yeah, there is a, there is a lot there. I mean, and there's, there's plenty of people that have great success with events. Mm -hmm. Again... Not my, that would be a more of a Jody thing than a Brett thing because for me, that five to 10 minute interaction with purpose is smooth, right? Mm -hmm. In a big event type setting, less smooth. So you gotta kind of work with what works. Mm -hmm. um, are there any future ideas that you've had that you're, you're looking forward to, either mm -hmm. your perks or your whatever that might be? Yes, future ideas. Uh, I'd love to get back into home shows. If home shows ever become a thing again, that would be an ideal scenario for us. So if you look at it, we'll never... When we say that we're working hard or not working hard, one thing that doesn't change is client service. But the thing that changes dramatically is our pursuit of new business, new ideas and new ventures. So when we get in the, the mood of like, you know, let's go ahead and go through a growth season here and try to go ahead and bump to the next to the next level of whatever, uh, that's when we come up with these ideas. I mean, come up with all kinds of crazy ideas to go ahead and roll out. But if you think about it, the Client Perks program works perfectly in conjunction with a home show. Yeah. So home As show, in, wedding show, those types of things. So that, okay. that, would be, that would be ideal for us in the future, but we haven't done one yet. We keep talking about it for three years now or four. As a new agent, how many agents would you say to have under your belt before you start a program like that? When does it make sense? How right many? away or? So like, let's say, so for me, I have, I have one listing, which means I have one client, hasn't sold yet or hasn't closed yet. It probably doesn't make sense for me to start a perks program that's similar to that. It does. I does think it? everybody should start a loyalty program right out of the gate. Because those 40 people, that first 40, mm -hmm. That has to be the final experience for them. You can't, okay. you can't, you can't, you can't build it as you go because then once your value proposition is completed, well, only the last five got the full the full effect, right? Mm. So it's got to be a early on. We started with a pressure washer, and that's all we had for a, 
for probably a year and a half. It makes, I feel like a pressure washer is, makes so much sense. It's 350,000 miles on that. It makes a lot of sense. People love it. Yeah. People use it all the time for all kinds of different things. So uh, that makes sense. Uh, beyond beyond that, and it's not just that. I mean, we have tickets for events that we can give away. The client perks program covers everything. It's like, yeah, there's been a few times where I've been the perk. Like, mm-hmm. you want me to come shovel post holes for your new fence? Yeah, no problem. I'll do that. It sounds like a fun Saturday morning. So, I mean, just have fun with it. It becomes like a, we get, we get probably three or four texts a week that people of our past clients joking about perks. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I just ran out of ice. Client perks, got any ice? You know, so I mean, it's pretty. That's pretty cool. Brett, your personal, uh, yeah. I don't know, Uber I'd, I'd rather, <laughs> Uber I'd, assistant. Ra- <laughs> I'd rather deliver ice than deliver small talk at an event. There's okay. no doubt about it. That, that's good. Um, just wrapping up here as a new agent other than getting those first 40 what are the top three things that you would recommend i do in my first year or two of business um that's a great question dedicate time to identify your first 40 or to 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 secure your first 40 and understand that as a new agent Five opportunities equates to one closing. <laughs> so in order to have your first 40 under your belt, you really have to identify 200 opportunities out there mm-hmm. to go ahead and secure them. Where I think a lot of people, there, there's two things that are really tricky in the first, the first year or two. One is you get an active client and all pursuit of future business gets put on the back burner I feel that. And you're like, oh, I got one. I got a live one in the boat, you know? So all the energy goes there. And then three months later, you come out of that and realize that all your energy was dumped into that and nothing was carved out for future business. Now you gotta start that 90-day cycle all over again. Mm -hmm. And that's what leads to the National Association of Realtors average of four transactions in a 12-month period. For anybody with a with less than two years of experience, I mean, it's it's because you're every ninety days you're having to restart you're your like pipeline. Start the regen. You know, it's like can, everything's compartmentalized. Like, oh, I gotta find a client. I have a client. Finding client is done. Now we have client. We're in the have client box. So mm-hmm. it's tough though because you're trying to do, learn, and generate. You really have a lot of jobs that all require the same amount of continuous energy over time and that's really really challenging so the sooner you can systematize the service you deliver document 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 write it down so it becomes a thing like some of the stuff that we do would take somebody that's never done it before 10 hours where it takes us five and a half minutes you know so it's document everything and do the same things over and over and over again Um, block the time and then focus on never zero there is never a day in your first two years where you do zero to generate business. So always do something. And I think, I mean, there's other things too. I mean, there's the fluffy things that we could tell you, like do this thing and blah, 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 or, you know, create a business, you know, whatever, you know. Anything you can find on Google. But, but yeah, but the, the real things that, the real things that trip somebody up in the first two years are, you know, in your head. So it is so much focus on keeping everything going at the same time. Be brutally honest with yourself. Because a lot of people, because everything's new and uncomfortable, like I would take myself out of the game at something that I thought was a win, but really it was probably just a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a win. But it felt like I have accomplished something for the day. So you know what, I have all this flexibility. I'm going to the beach now. You know, and that, that's, that's not everybody, but that's definitely me. So mm-hmm. it was one of those things where I'd take myself out of the game after I just started to get momentum in a day, every day. Like, all right, you know, so I made a call to an expired listing and they answered and it was a great conversation. I didn't get a listing, I didn't get an appointment, but it was a great conversation. So I was like, whew, feeling good. I'm going to happy hour. <laughs> it was a big day, you know? Uh-huh. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of that. Um, don't be shy about your um, 
don't be shy about your 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 sphere of influence. Connect. That was them. my biggest fear when I first became a realtor. I was like, man, I don't want to be that realtor. You got. But be. then I thought about it, and I was like, no, I gotta be that realtor. So I went a hundred percent. I'm that person. Yep. And I was, I was so, I was I was so much that person that I kind of took on that identity. Like maybe that's not. Maybe I'll find a balance eventually. <laughs> but everything, everything on my Facebook right now is realtor something right or i tied into realtor something because i was never a big person to post about family stuff anyway just you know i just i i, I wasn't or if i did i eventually took it down just like i don't want everyone to know all my personal business or whatever but right. but now even if i post a personal thing i'm like i don't know hashtag realtor life or something like if you see something about right. me i'm a realtor and i don't make any bones about it and that's how i got my first listing right because you know it was you know, a friend from way back that, uh, or a family friend, I guess, and they were selling their home, and you know, their daughter's like, "Hey, you should look. You know, you, you should look for a realtor because I, you know, I think it's maybe worth more than what you think it's worth." Mm-hmm. And um, the first person they thought of was me because I've just hashtag been, realtor life. I've just been posting and posting and posting, and you know, it is you know, once I got the listing, I did sort of have that mental dip where I am so focused on the listing that it's easy to forget that I need to keep on, you know, right. generating that, the, those leads and those, that pipeline. Yeah, it is. So, a, I mean, showcase the work, give people a behind the scenes. Look. I mean, that, that's the best advice I can give. Mm-hmm. Your prospecting or marketing becomes showcasing the behind the scenes work and effort of launching your All listing that you put in exactly it. give them yeah. a peek behind the curtain so that they can see like hey it's not just you know and then we don't just put it on the mls yeah exactly you know, what would i do without this do right exactly and it's <laughs> you know? like you know we digitally stage we do this i mean even to how you go ahead and shoot the image why you shoot it at the angle you do how you go ahead and get the light balanced in the room I mean, all that stuff you've got such great advantage in that world mm-hmm. That's huge, and I would I would ride that all the way into the sunset. So, that's yeah. Uh, I I remember when I posted one of the images, and someone I was doing a showing, and they're like, "Yeah, we noticed like we it, it was very helpful to see the room empty, you know, because I had a bed, it had everything in there, right? But it was helpful for them to see the the room as it could be. Yep, you know, even though I didn't virtually stage it, I just emptied it, and it just helped them visualize. Right. Yeah. visualize it for them that's a that's a that's a big piece of the puzzle there yeah you'll definitely see the i mean the, if, if you just think never zero there can never be a day where i put in zero effort towards the generation of new business for my first two years after that and you deliver quality service you have your value proposition all put together mm-hmm. two years the business just the business will just show up there's a i mean it's it just it just does it's just like an equation you put in the work and yeah yeah put in the work well, I think that's a good note to end on. So Perfect. Rock and thanks, roll. Brett, for yeah, coming in. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It was super fun. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you for joining me this week on Be My Mentor, a real estate podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to leave me a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. Also, if you have any questions for me about real estate, send me a message over on Instagram or Facebook at brandon.myrealtor. Thanks so much. Until next time.